Hey, this is Mark Ronson, and you are listening to Five Questions with Dan Shawbell. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Shawbell. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is Grammy Award-winning DJ and producer Mark Ronson. Mark was born in London and raised in New York City where he became known as a DJ. He has collaborated with artists including Amy Winehouse, Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga, and Miley Cyrus. Mark produced Uptown Funk with Bruno Mars that spent 14 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 list. Currently, he's the host of the Fader Uncovered podcast. We talk about his early childhood, collaborations, and creativity during this podcast episode. Mark, welcome to Five Questions. Thanks so much for having me. How did your parents encourage you to get into music in your childhood and then support you as you built your career? They were kind of this very fun, wild couple. They were young when they had me. This was growing up in London. They would have these crazy parties at the house all the time. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and there'd be like 60 grown-ups smoking, drinking in the living room. And I would just always angle my way to where the music was coming from, kind of oblivious, walking through this room, probably waist high on everyone, and just sit beside the speaker playing this loud music and play air drum. One of my parents' friends was a drummer in the band Bad Company and was like, hey, you're a kid like he looks like he knows what he's doing like maybe you want to get him a little drum kit so my dad didn't make music but he was very passionate about it and he got me a little drum kit and I think that they always supported it my stepdad was a musician very successful in the band Foreigners I had the opposite of like I guess coming from a conservative or family where they're like okay don't do music like my rebellion would have been to be an accountant or something like serious with my life my mom was very strict she was very much about like you still have to do well in your school and we grew up in England where like uh, it felt like when I moved to New York when I was eight all the rules I had were like 80% stricter than like all my uh, new friends they were very supportive and they were my mom especially encouraged us to follow artistic pursuit as long as our grades were good I guess I think there's something about getting this type of exposure to people who are interested in certain things and then having parents who are willing to push you in that direction like when I was growing up my mom was like wanted to get you into ice skating piano so I had like exposure to many different things many of which I don't do right now but if I you don't know if you're going to be good at something or you're going to cling to it if you don't try and so I think that is extremely valuable and, and a good parenting tool and you're really well known for working with recording artists like Miley Cyrus and Bruno Mars. What's the process of tracking down these artists and convincing them to work with you? It's both. Actually, in Bruno's case, it was different. This was after his first record. He asked me to come work on his second album with him. And I I didn't know very much of his music. I love this song, Nothing on You, that he had with the rapper B.O.B. But some of the stuff was like a little more, you know, poppy than what I usually doing. And I just met him. And like a lot of people that I meet, I can kind of tell we don't even have to go in the studio. There's kind of an instinctual thing. I just got a feeling. I was like, this kid is very smart and very special. So we went in the studio and we worked on his second album. In the case of Miley, I did truly chase her down. I saw her performing on the SNL 40th anniversary. She sung 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. And I only knew her from We Can't Stop and Party in the USA. I had no idea. She had this incredible rasp Nashville voice in her so I just my jaw fell on the floor and I got her number and I basically kind of just 
stalked her but like for four years it took until we really got in the studio and she now because we're friends she told me that she had no idea because she didn't have my number saved and every now and then I would text I wasn't like crazy I knew how to do it with decorum but I would wait two weeks and be like hey it's Mark again just wondering if you ever want to get in you know just with a light touch when it happened it was the right time and that's kind of all you can hope for you're listening to five questions and this episode is sponsored by SaneBox is email a soul crushing distraction if so then you need SaneBox. SaneBox's artificial intelligence monitors your inbox. Automatically wasteful email is moved to your Sane Later folder. All that's left is the important stuff. If you know how email folders work, then you know how SaneBox works. Find an email in the wrong folder, just move it. Get a free two-week trial and a $25 credit by visiting SaneBox.com slash five questions today. That's SaneBox.com slash five questions now back to the show. There's a certain appreciation people have for you. If you really study their music, you really pay attention to them. You put all the effort up front. It's not like you're going and you're just sending off a sales pitch. There's been a lot of thought that goes in and it took you years of persistence and thought. Timing only happens when all of that kind of comes together. And when you're in the studio, why is listening such an important part of your creative process? Listening is the most important part. I'm sitting here in the room. I'm back in my old studio that I was in 15 years ago while, where I met Amy Winehouse. And we came up here and I didn't know much about her. And I just said, what kind of record would you like to make? And she said, well, I like this stuff they play down at my local, which is like pub. And it's all this 60s girl group stuff like the Shangri-Las. And I had never heard that. There's a part of my brain that gets excited about the slightly mathematical sciencing of like, I wonder how they made that. Could I make that here? How would I make something that's had a bit of that sound with my remedial equipment? I had a good vibe from her. And I was like, well, I want to just make something that this person likes because I want them to, to stay and come back tomorrow. Listening is everything because you're constantly following cues emotionally, creatively, like great producers can be great recording engineers or great arrangers or a little bit of both. But really, it's about listening to the artists and feeling the room and just seeing what's going to take the song to the next level. You're taking their needs into account. And it's kind of sad in a way that we live in a world where people try and make things about them, especially with social media. A lot of people are not focused. So I think it's like this kind of rare skill to listen. You interview a variety of artists for your podcast, The Fader Uncovered. What types of creative struggles do your guests have in common and how do they break through them to achieve success? The one thing that you just get, and I kind of learned even before I did the Fader podcast, is that no matter how big the person is, David Byrne, like one of the most celebrated, acclaimed, you know, musicians of our time and constantly reinventing and important for generate different generations is just still has that moment where it's like crap I guess maybe did I run out of ideas or whatever those things everybody has those insecurities and still feels that that's just a very human condition that's anxiety channeled in different ways the best ones are just still driven by this curiosity it's a spirit of curiosity Damon Albarn who's sold millions and millions of records of the gorillas and played stadiums and headline Glastonbury is blur but there's just still something that's like I wonder what it would be like to write a Chinese opera and learn Chinese notation the great ones really just have this thing that just keeps pushing them that's a really good point because a lot of people say people are driven by passion interests or maybe money but I would say that I'm driven by curiosity curiosity about other people curiosity about the world it creates a sense of depth and meaning that can really carry you and make you keep going and going and going and what's your best piece of career advice 
I think the one thing that happened to me was in the beginning of my career, I was DJing a lot. I was influenced by so much other people's music and I was so desperate, like I wanted to make it. So I was like, okay, well, this is what the Neptunes do and Timberland does and this kind of thing. It's so easy to accidentally follow other people's sounds and borrow from them. It's weird. I hit this thing where I basically thought I wasn't going to make it. My first record bomb, it was like literally like the movie where like the people that were calling you like, the week before, you're no longer getting your phone calls returned, this thing. And I thought, you know what? If I'm not going to make it, I might as well just make music that I really love and that I can play for my friends and be like, can you believe I did this or isn't this cool? And I started making these covers of songs that I love to play in my DJ sets, just to just rearrange from nothing. And I just thought that I it was literally for an audience of one. And because I had no expectations, no commercial things, no nothing. Weirdly, one of them got out, started getting played on Radio 1 in the UK, and that became my big break. And that was has one of my biggest songs ever on it, Valerie with Amy Winehouse and the record, still my biggest selling record to date. And it's it's really hard to get back once you've made it that naivete and that thing of just like you're making it for yourself. But I, I didn't have any constraints or an inner critic in my head going like, no one's going to like this. Like, are you sure? It doesn't sound like the other stuff on the radio. I think that if there's any way to make the thing, if you love it and it gets you excited, like the, the, it will make other people excited. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Mark. To follow his journey, you can listen to the Fader Uncovered podcast and find him on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, where he shares his latest tracks, life events, and family. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Dan and please remember to rate and review the Five Questions podcast on iTunes. (laughs) 